If we just use the example of feet, discomfort through gradually going barefoot on more textures and surfaces and training the strength of your feet and the mobility of your feet can be really uncomfortable, but that is what makes them more and more resilient. Conversely, if we think about this cave of comfort where everyone gets led to as soon as they're born really, wrapping your feet in cotton wool as a metaphor, but constantly being in comfortable cushioned shoes, supportive shoes, over time makes our feet weaker and more fragile. Welcome to the Restore to Explore podcast, hosted by your soulmates from the Foot Collective. I'm Jim, and here at TFC, we're on a mission to empower humans to restore their natural health and function from the ground up, so they can explore movement and life with freedom and confidence. This week, Mac and I explore the concept of the cave of comfort, which is an element of this new story that we've been crafting around the journey to foot freedom. And the basic premise is that most people are essentially reading from the wrong map along their journey, which means that even despite a lot of investment of time, money and energy, they can't effectively progress towards true foot freedom and tend to end up further down this metaphorical cave of comfort. And late last year, Nick and I did a full podcast on this whole story of navigating the journey to foot freedom. So if you haven't listened to that, then that would pair quite well with this episode, especially listening to it beforehand. But throughout this episode today, we talk through the evolutionary basis of comfort and why we naturally tend to seek comfort. We discuss the importance of exposure to discomfort to promote resilience and growth as well as the value of having a community of people around you who are on that same journey and can either inspire and guide you or who can be inspired and guided by you. Now, we recorded this episode earlier in the year while we were out bush doing some filming and we had a bit of a rainy morning, so we sat by the fire and recorded this conversation. So just to note that you will hear a bit of that white noise in the background, but the rest of the audio should be clear. Uh, We certainly enjoyed this setting and style of podcast, so if you enjoy it too, please do let us know and feel free to send through requests of topics that you'd like us to dive into around the fire. Also, if you get value out of our podcasts in general, then we'd really appreciate your support by sharing out the episodes with your friends and family and also by leaving us a review wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to share a story from our community. Jenny is a member of our Explorer program. So I started the trek with daily pain in my right heel from plantar fasciopathy. I've been really unhappy with the advice I've been getting from my previous podiatrist to stick with my orthotics, even though I kept telling them I felt really unstable. The treks helped because exercises really help you build a solid foundation and strengthen all the areas of the lower body and the feet. And I love the bite-sized lessons that you get every day because they contain just the right amount of information that's easily absorbed and then you reinforce them with the tasks that you complete. Although there's been a small decrease in the level of pain, I definitely have improved the function of both my feet. I also feel more mobile in the hip area. Getting up and down off the floor, squatting is so much easier than it used to be. My balance has improved and I move better just overall and I've noticed this in my yoga classes. The constant reinforcement of being patient on the trek was really important. I think a lot of us push ourselves to the point of injury to get quick results, but I've really learned to take a step back and listen to my body and respond appropriately. I think other people should do the trek 
because you were given all the tools and information to work out for yourself what your body needs, which is so empowering. There's nothing to lose by seeing where this takes you as every level is catered for in the exercises. And you can take pleasure from seeing improvements and learning new ways of moving along with a group of like-minded people. I now have no intention of wearing my photics again. I am confident my feet will relearn how to support me how they're supposed to, and I'll look forward to the day when plantar fascia the pain will go away. If you're like Jenny and have a specific foot or ankle condition, issues up the chain at your knees, hips or back, or just want to improve your overall movement health, the Explorer program is for you. To learn more, head to thefootcollective.com forward slash explorer to learn more. The link is in the show notes. The Cave of Comfort is a big concept that we really want to be able to communicate to the community and, and, and have you guys all understand where we're coming from with this concept. Um, and it, yeah, it was sort of this, this chat was triggered by somebody in the community questioning whether we should be describing it as the cave of comfort or the cave of pain because mm. that is where she felt a lot of people were starting their journey from. And I guess to give context around how the cave of comfort fits into this new narrative that we're trying to write on foot health. It's, it's good to picture uh, a mountain to begin with. And like any mountain, uh, any big mountain that you have to try and reach the summit of, uh, there is a base camp along the way. And for us, that base camp is foot freedom. So foot freedom is a place where people can explore and move with freedom and confidence essentially yeah without without being reliant on any external or at least any unnecessary external supports or technologies or whatever it's just it's just... a foundation of movement and foot health it, yeah. it's it's what unlocks really the ability to explore all of these other treks that are beyond base camp mm. whether that's actually climbing a mountain physically <laughs> or yeah, exploring any activities or sports or um, just experiences really in life that your movement capacity may have limited you from in the past. Mm. Could be as simple as just playing with your kids or you know, being able to go outside and walk, or go for a walk on the beach barefoot. It's going to be different for everyone. Everyone has a different definition of foot freedom. And within the community, we see a lot of awesome different definitions of foot freedom. Um, but the idea is that all of those definitions of foot freedom pretty much start from the same foundation of, of awareness and habits and skills. And that's basically what we're trying to build for people on, on their trek to this sort of metaphorical base camp. So you've got base camp, which is on the mountain. Mm -hmm. But how do you get up to base camp? And, and where do you start from? Where do you start from? So what we've tried to paint a picture for people is this hero's journey up the mountain um, and there's checkpoints along the way that you have to reach they're what we call the five keys of foot freedom mindset balance squat ground and of course feet yep uh, 
and those are going to be reached along that journey. They're essentially skills and knowledge that you pick up along the way that build that foundation so that when you reach base camp and you've ticked off all those keys, you've got the skills you need mm. to keep moving forward and exploring. But then we came to, okay, well, where are people starting from? Is it at the base of the mountain where they've already got a map of where they know they need to go, but they just don't know how to navigate that map? And, or is it the fact that they're just reading a different map entirely and they're not even able to see that path ahead? And, and, and I think that's what we came to, is a lot of the people who were coming to us were completely lost. They had tried other approaches, they'd explored other avenues, they'd tried other technologies and they didn't know where to go. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't feel like they were getting to that place of foot freedom. Uh, you know, most, most people that come to us are, you know, expressing frustration at being reliant or dependent on things for their feet to feel good and not feeling free to go and explore their foot and movement. Um, health, I suppose, and and yeah, that's what we came to is that most people are just reading from the wrong map. Um, at first, we you know we thought maybe they were just reading from a little segment of the map and they couldn't see the broader. They sort couldn't of quite see foot freedom. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't see base camp. They, they they could see some of the keys that they had to reach, but didn't know how to get to them and and yeah couldn't quite see that clear picture but then I guess and th yeah then we thought well it's you know it's it's more that they've just got a whole different map to a different uh different landscape or a different area mm. and we decided to call that area the cave of comfort um and that's not because it's always comfortable in the cave of comfort but the cave of comfort is really in a sense like the promise of comfort <laughs> mm. and you know, to, to give a bit of background about comfort, because it's important to understand why humans naturally seek comfort, is it's actually evolutionarily ingrained in us. And a great example is us sitting here by the fire. It's a pretty cool, rainy morning. And it's actually really comfortable to have the warmth of the fire mm. next to us. I didn't bring a, a jumper, a, full, <laughs> a fully, you know, we didn't really pack very warm. It's February here and in, in it's meant uh, to be hot. Queensland, it's supposed to be hot, but um, having this fire, the warmth of the fire is really comfortable in a sense. And we've also got a nice warm coffee. And last night we slept slept in a, you know, in nice warm beds. And all those things are really comfortable. And the reason they feel good is because in a natural environment or in a, you know, in our evolutionary history, that comfort equ equaled survival. And so warmth, shelter, food, um, all of these things are sort of baked into our DNA to, for us to seek. And in a natural environment, that's really good. Like we, we want to seek levels of comfort because that does mean that we're more likely to survive and more likely to thrive. And so it's certainly, it's a, a natural human tendency to want that comfort and the the main change, I suppose, is that we no longer live in natural environments. We no longer have to, to survive. Avoid and, prey or... And we've actually developed technology, uh, you know, through industrial processes, we've developed technologies that can basically make us comfortable all the time. So 
you know, shoes, cushion shoes are an example of that, orthotics, um, you know, comfortable lounges, places to sit everywhere in cars, you know, we don't have to really walk around that much anymore, we can drive, we can um, have temperature controls in our houses all the time. And I think as civilization has developed, comfort has actually been a real sign of of wealth and True. of achievement. Um, and you only have to look back to the kings and queens um, of olden days and, and look at them on their thrones. And, you know, back in medieval times, it was, it was the people who had money who started wearing these shoes, pointy shoes, uh, that meant that they didn't have to work very hard. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a sign of class. Um, mm. And even when people, you know, when people are talking about, I guess, their own financial situation, often it, the, the term is, oh, I'm comfortable. <laughs> we're, we're or comfortable. I want to be comfortable. <laughs> or I want to be comfortable. And so, yeah, that, that's a good point that it's, it is tied to sort of status and wealth. And, and originally, you know, it really was only the wealthy people that could be comfortable. Mind you, those pointy shoes aren't comfortable. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but the... the industrialization which sort of spread through civilization allowed more and more people to gain access to these sort of more these more comfortable positions and while it may yeah, it may they may not have been comfortable they were a sign that you lived a comfortable life yeah <laughs> uh, and yeah I think yeah you didn't have to work in the fields exactly yeah exactly and so it's ingrained in us. It's ingrained to, in us to want to be comfortable. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I, no. you know, I don't think anyone should be judged for wanting that because... It's nice. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the problem is, is that comfort eventually leads to discomfort. Yeah, and that's, that's through an interesting process because, dis, well, discomfort, short-term discomfort in the right, I guess, context is actually what your body needs to become more resilient, to become stronger, um, it more adaptable. Yeah, it's, it's really discomfort. Well, there's a, I think there's a saying that growth happens outside your comfort zone. You can't really grow, um, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, without some level of discomfort. And then, you know, as you explore that discomfort, you become more tolerant to it and things that originally maybe felt really uncomfortable can start to become, um, either start to feel comfortable or just n just rewarding and rewarding to the point that the discomfort isn't really a bad thing. And so discomfort, and you know, if we just use the example of feet, discomfort through, you know, gradually going more barefoot on more textures and surfaces and, you know, training the strength of your feet and the mobility of your feet can be really uncomfortable, but that is what makes them more and more resilient. And, you know, conversely, if we think about this cave of comfort where everyone gets led to as, as soon as they're born, really, um, wrapping your feet in cotton wool as a metaphor, but, you know, constantly being in comfortable cushioned shoes, supportive shoes, over time makes our feet weak, weaker and um, more fragile. I think put it put it into the context of um, yeah. Let, let's let's wrap it around 
a person's story, a, a made-up person's story, mm-hmm. and how that journey through the cave may look. You know, little Billy is born. Uh, I was thinking Billy too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so little Billy is born. Uh, at first, he's not put into shoes. He, his parents understand that his feet should be exposed as they're growing and developing, and well. some uh, some <laughs> parents understand that that should be the way. But eventually, once they start walking, usually and and going on different surfaces, they they do start to get wrapped up in shoes. And I unfortunately, I do often see big, thick, cushioned shoes on, you know, two-year-olds. Yeah. It breaks my heart the most out of anything, yeah. <laughs> I think. And it's, you know, it's, that is the cultural norm. In, in a sense, it is the cultural norm for kids to be wrapped up in shoes from a very, very early age. And, and then little and, Billy goes to school. Mm. And little Billy is forced to wear tight, restrictive, rigid, thick-soled, leather shoes that don't allow his feet to function like his feet should, but that is the uniform that he must stick mm. to. And so, or even, even if they are allowed to use their, their own runners, like it's, it's just that the entire culture is set up for the, yeah, to either have fashionable, but you know, thick, like you said, thick, rigid, narrow shoes, or, um, you know, like quote-unquote good shoes that are just supportive, cushioned um, and still obviously rigid and and often narrow to a degree. And so over time, Billy's feet become, yeah, weaker, less, weaker, stiffer and more fragile. But as he's going to buy every next pair of shoes, the person who's putting the shoes on him is saying, do they feel comfortable? Mm, <laughs> you know, mm. the, the question mark is, is always along the way, do, you know, is it a comfortable fit? Yeah. And the more he wears supportive cushioned shoes, the generally more the, more, the more comfortable cushioned supportive shoes feel. And so that predisposes him to have more weakness and stiffness in the feet, which then makes them more likely to experience pain and injury. It may not be while he's young, but at some point, and this is a hypothetical thing, obviously not everyone gets foot pain. Um, it can, you can have different issues up the chain as a result of foot dysfunction, but let's say Billy does get some foot pain and he, it, this is you know, all within the cave of comfort because everything's focused on him being comfortable and he goes and sees someone in the cave or he asks his parents and they say, well, um, the people we see in the cave is podiatrist. Mm. And the podiatrist says, okay, well, you've got this, this X condition of the foot and what we can do for that to make you more comfortable is an orthotic. And, you know, this is just a very, it's a generalization, but this is a, a story we hear very often. Mm. And the, Billy gets given an orthotic and that does make him more comfortable. He said, ah, that, that's, that's really helping my pain. And as long as I wear this orthotic, then I don't have this pain anymore. And that gives Billy, you know, some extra time going through his day. And, and that's, that's good. If Billy can get through his day more comfortable, that in, in a way, that is, that is good. But 
what Billy probably doesn't realize is that doesn't actually solve the root cause of the issue. It's just masking the symptoms. And that pain that he was getting was actually a call for change um, and a call for his feet and his whole body really to... To sign. Yeah, to increase its resilience. And instead, what the orthotic does is actually decrease his resilience and decrease his adaptability. And what we're trying to say with, with this narrative is that it's not the fault of the parent. It's not, not even the, the fault of the podiatrist. The problem is the people in the cave are just reading from a different map. The cave map. They're, they're <laughs> reading from the cave map. And if you think of the caves being beneath the mountain, <laughs> at the base of the mountain is the entrance to the cave, and that's where Billy spent his childhood. And as Billy starts to get these problems... The podiatrists and the parents, they point him to tunnels that take him into caverns that take him further and further into the cave where, like you said, he finds safe haven, he finds comfort again. Mm. But, but it doesn't last long. It doesn't last. And it can be quite lonely in those caverns the deeper and deeper you get. and mm. You turn to a different specialist or a different expert from the cave and that expert gives you another quick fix uh, or another solution that, again, doesn't resolve the root cause but masks it. Mm. And that could be anything from medication to surgery. And deeper and deeper into this cave of comfort Billy goes. And all the way along... It's not necessarily comfortable, but it's the promise of comfort. It's the promise. It's the promise. And... Billy has sort of been fed this, this message all the way through this journey that you don't want discomfort. Mm. <laughs> discomfort is scary. Comfort is what you want. Mm. And so anytime discomfort does come up, the first reaction is to, to run from it, mm. not embrace it. Mm. And that's a slippery slope. Mm. And we see it so often with members of our community who some have been going through this journey for a couple of years, some for 20, 30, 40 years of progressive pain that hits pause every now and then, then returns in a different area or in the same area. And it's this, it's this constant slippery slope down the tunnels into new caverns, further and further, deeper and deeper into this cave system. And what we're trying to do, I guess, is give those people a new map and a way out of that system because it's really disempowering to be in that cave and on that journey alone. And I think one of the big issues with it is that the more experts you turn to in that cave and the more wrong turns you take, the more faith you lose in Mm. the cave system as a whole. And the more lost you feel and frustrated. And uh, it it can start to feel pretty hopeless in the cave if you don't have, yeah, if you don't have the broader view of where you can get to with the right map and with the right approach. And that's, that's basically what we're trying to do with this, with this whole story and providing this map is, like, hey, there is actually a different place you can go. It's uncomfortable to get there. And learning to embrace that discomfort along that, along that journey is actually what will make you the most 
you know, paradoxically the most comfortable <laughs> in the long run or allow you to have that freedom. And one of the big shifts that needs to take place for that is a, t is a change from reliance to resilience, really. Mm. You need to stop relying on the external technologies and the experts, really, in, who have been guiding you deeper and deeper down this cave and start listening to your body and persevering and building that resilience. Mm. And seeing pain as a teacher, not an enemy, it's something that, that we do talk about a lot is how important it is not to put masking tape over the mouth of pain when it's trying to scream at you to make a change. Yeah, yeah, and, and dis, dis, pain is like a form of discomfort. Pain is basically always uncomfortable. And the discomfort and the pain, like you said, is, is the teacher that is, is our guidance. And, you know, sometimes you need to change something when you do feel discomfort and pain. And sometimes you need to, you know, learn when it's the right time to, you know, push on or, you know, learn how to adapt your approach based on the signals your body is giving you, but not always to run in the opposite direction. And that's really why we've called it the cave of comfort, not the cave of pain, is because sometimes as well, I think people aren't necessarily in pain yet or mm. don't necessarily see themselves as in pain. Uh, and we don't want to lose those people because... I think if, if you can identify where you've been living in comfort um, or, or if comfort has been your goal, then this story becomes really relatable to you too. It's not just for people who have been going through chronic foot pain for 20 or 30 years. Mm. Um, it can be people who are just on the edge of the cave, who have oh. maybe been nudged towards comfort and are ready to, to find a different path. Yeah, it might just be someone who's realised like, hey, I can't actually go barefoot mm. without feeling a lot of discomfort in my feet or like even, you know, feelings of pain or just like overwhelming sensation in my feet. It's like I'd like to, I'd like to not be reliant on these shoes or orthotics. A lot of people have been in orthotics for years after a, you know, a single incident of foot pain and... Or an injury. And they're not in pain currently, but then they realise, like, hey, actually, if I take my orthotics out, then my feet start to hurt. Like, something's, something's not right there. And, you know, we, we always like to s stress that having these technologies available is actually... can be really important, and they can be a very helpful tool, um, you know, to, in the short term... In, the, in most cases in the short term to help you get through your day and to help you take, start taking the steps. Because, you know, it's, if you're unable to, unable to even take the first step because of how much pain you're in, whether that's physically, like literally or metaphorically, take the first step, um, then you, you may need some kind of external thing to help with that. It might be medic pain medication or orthotics or something. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, but as long as you've got the map to where you're heading, <laughs> the actual map to 
or how you can see yourself getting to foot freedom rather than just deeper down the cave and being stuck down in the cave. And one of the big issues we see with this cave system is the incentivized nature of providing these technologies. Mm. There is financial gain for experts to provide these supportive technologies and to keep on giving you new ones yeah, along and, the journey. And, and the other thing we always like to stress is that it's uh, people's, I believe, and we, we believe that these practitioners have, uh, you know, their hearts in the right place. Absolutely. They do want to help people and, and really they're, their job is to help people out of pain and to help people become more comfortable. And that's what they've been taught at uni and that's how they know to help people and it's how their business structures are set up. So it's not that they're, you know, it's not some evil conspiracy to keep people in pain <laughs> while these people are, you know, greedily taking all your money. But it's just that that's how these systems have developed and that's, that's how the cave works. They've and all been reading no from knows, the same map. Yeah, the, no universities, the universities train them in this map that only showed the caves and the cabins below. Yeah, yeah. And, and if that's all they've experienced, you know, if, if, a, if a practitioner has never really ventured out and explored discomfort and explored that journey to foot freedom themselves, then they really don't know that that exists. They, they may be in orthotics and supportive shoes all the time themselves. And, and I know a lot of, a lot of um, practitioners do experience that. Um, like for Andy, for example, he did that for years and then he started exploring yoga and barefoot. This is Andy, uh, Andy Bryant, who's our head natural podiatrist. And then he, he started exploring it himself and then realized, oh, hang on, there's a whole other um, world of foot health here. And then proceeded to completely change his practice and get out of his orthotics and get out of his supportive shoes. And so it really takes, you know, personal experience in that journey to foot freedom in order to help guide other people along that journey. And so if all you know is the cave, there's really no way that you can send people up the, the foot freedom mountain. <laughs> exactly. And a big part of that journey up the mountain and, and the success that you can have on that on that journey is having a community around you. It mm. can be a really isolating and lonely uh, trek deep into the caves uh, because you've really only got the practitioner that you're turning to. But what we're trying to do with the community and with the Explorer Circle is give people a route up the mountain where they have people alongside them people just ahead of them in the journey, people just behind them in the journey, but people who are all heading to the same place. Mm. And that is key to keeping one foot moving in front of the other and, and keeping progressing on that journey is to be inspired by people, to see that it's possible, but and, also... And to inspire others. Exactly. Yeah, having, having people further along in the journey than you and having people further behind who are saying, oh, wow, I love, I, you know, I'm inspired by you. And along that journey, you know, it's, help, it's also really helpful to have practitioners or guides who have traveled that mountain, you know, they know that mountain back, like the back of their hand. They've traveled all these different routes. They know 
you know, what happens when you go down a certain route and you hit a, hit a roadblock and they know how to get over these roadblocks and, or to help you, the biggest thing is help you learn how to uh, listen to your body and get over those roadblocks yourself and, and build the skills. It's, it's like, you know, all these people are there inspiring you or guiding you, but only you can take the steps yourself. No one else can take those steps for you. And I think a big part of the role that practitioners and guides in our community will play is rebuilding that faith in mm. this new system, this new map. Because I completely understand that people are frustrated and feeling very disheartened about the, the journey that they've taken so far. And I think a big part of rebuilding that faith is seeing, actually seeing the work that your practitioner or your guide has put in to get up the mountain themselves. There's mm. a, it's one thing to go into a podiatrist or to a physio and to see their bachelor on the wall and to see the, the accreditations they've got from universities. Uh, but then you may look at them and wonder, are they looking after themselves? Have, mm. have they really put in the work themselves to understand what it takes to have foot freedom? Yeah, or are they in the cave? Yeah. <laughs> and all you have to do with a lot of them is look at their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think if we can decentralise that system and let people actually, yeah, create transparency, I suppose, with that relationship between client and practitioner or explorer and guide mm. so that people can say, I trust you because I can see that you've gone up this mountain before. I can see the challenges you've completed along the way mm. and I can see the people that you've helped as well. Yeah. And, and that's another thing that is important is that you, we do we can often really benefit from working with practitioners or guides to, to sort of help us along the journey. And it's not about, yeah, like you've said, it's not about being fully independent you, or, you know, it's not about going it alone, but it's more about the relationship with your practitioner rather than a reliance on the practitioner. And exactly. The relationship is sharing in yeah. the journey rather than sort of following. Yeah, and being blindly. told that this is what you should do, this is what you need to do by someone who maybe hasn't explored those things. Mm. And, you know, building that relationship of trust um, and, yeah, shared, shared understanding, shared interest is, I think, really important and can take you further and further up the mountain um, rather than just someone saying, hey, here's the map. A lot of, well, a lot of people could just get a map and follow the paths and they could get up that mountain. Um, but having someone there along the way to guide you it is going to be a lot more fun and a lot more, uh, it's going to be easier and more enjoyable. Because I think what we've learnt over the last few years with our approach to the Foot Collective has been that we could give people all of the education and all of the tools they need to make this journey. but if there's no accountability along the way, then 
very, very rarely does it get followed through with. Mm. And that's what we're trying to build with the trek to base camp uh, and this explorer's journey up the mountain that's shared by a community is that every day on this 42 day journey, you are going to have to turn up. Mm. You're going to have to put in the work of doing a daily routine, spending half an hour on your foot health, and then sharing what you've done with the people who are on that journey as well. And that is, I believe, so, so crucial to making sure that you complete that trek. Definitely. Having, having other people to witness your work and witness your steps and then you witnessing other people is very, very powerful and, and I think really underestimated um, and, not, and just not something that can be achieved in the context of a, a client, just a client-practitioner relationship. There needs, you need to have peers that you're sharing the journey with. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's scaling up this mountain and sometimes it's just sort of digging your way out of the cave. But if you've got, you know, if you've got friends, um, and you know, community that are, are also on that trek, then yeah, you're much more likely to achieve what you want to achieve. And we're not going to be naive about it. It does take courage to make a trek like that. And yeah, and it, a little bit of faith, <laughs> definitely, in a sense. And for for people who've felt a bit lost and confused and, and frankly skeptical about different approaches. Um, then it, you know, it does take a little bit of faith, I suppose is the word, to say, well, I, I believe that my body can adapt to what I expose it to based on these, you know, the first principles of physiology. I have to go with that belief. And just, I, I also believe that all of these people that are saying that they're <laughs> improving uh, are speaking their truth and therefore... I believe I can change and then just taking that leap. And us giving this community and creating this community for free and, and letting people come into it for free and offering, there's a lot of education in there and a lot of support and help. It doesn't cost you anything and that's our commitment to rebuilding that faith. Mm. That's our commitment to say, if you join us and you come check this out, we believe that we can lead you on this journey but it's going to cost you nothing to make that initial commitment. Mm. All you have to do is come in the door and we give you the map. We'll give you the map. <laughs> and we give you the community. And if you, if you want extra guidance, you know, you want a, you know, essentially a guided journey to a degree, then, and, and you want to support us to help guide you along that journey, then there's that option too. But yeah, it is about restoring that faith, restoring that belief that you can do it and however you do that is is up to you but there's, there's a there's a pathway for you and sometimes you need more guidance and sometimes you can sort of you know just follow the map but one way or another we just want everyone to get to that that place of foot freedom that their definition of foot freedom and this may all sound like some <laughs> grand uh, wild narrative that we're trying to weave but I challenge you to just sign up, get the foot freedom map, you get it when you sign up. And one of the first challenges you have to take 
on that map and, and one of the first hurdles you have to overcome is, is sharing a photo of your feet. <laughs> and that may again sound like quite an abstract and odd thing to do. Uh, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, and that's the point. That's, that's why we have it as one of the first steps you have to take to show your commitment on this journey is to show up, to own your feet, and take responsibility for where you're at right now. And you'll see that there are so many people who have done this before you. There are so many different kinds of feet out there. Mm. Some will look like yours, some won't. But just taking that step is massive to building the faith back in yourself. It's, it, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a huge part of, of what we're trying to do. And we've had people you know, say to us that things that they're sharing in this community are not things that they would usually set, share on social media. But because they're in a place where they feel safe and supported and they're surrounded by like-minded humans who are on the trek with them, then it's okay. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's uncomfortable at first. And this, is, this goes for things physically as well as mentally. It's un- things that are uncomfortable at first can end up being really the most rewarding things and, and the things that help you grow the most. And so leaning into that discomfort and embracing it can be, well, really is the, the biggest step you can take towards feeling more free. Definitely. I had someone ask the other day, like when I was explaining the fact that we have to take, you know, we encourage people to take this photo, they sort of question, oh, well, you know, it's a bit weird, isn't it? But, <laughs> but that's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it instantly shows you that you're in a place that's not going to judge you for where you've been before. Mm. Uh, and It's only going to support you. And it also makes you really aware that there are a lot of other people out there who are in the exact same position. Mm. And it, it really just shines the light on the path ahead, um, I think. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, we're out here filming exercises for the Collective Compass, which is the tool that will lead our TFC explorers on their trek to base camp and to that foundation that we were talking about at the beginning, the place that, that we like to think of as, as foot freedom. and. We can't wait for people to join us on that journey. Um, we've already been really, yeah, I guess uh, it, it feels really good to see what we've seen already within that community in the last few weeks since it launched. It's blown our minds mm. um, and it's given us a lot of faith in this concept because while we've got a team of health practitioners and guides who are going to be ready to lead explorers up the mountain and who are already supporting members of our community answering questions. What we've been really impressed by and blown away by really is how much the community is helping itself. Mm. How much people are helping each other in there. That's, that's very true. And that will, just, that will just keep expanding, especially as people share more and more and do more and more along this trek and yeah it's like a it's like a self-organizing system 
And if you think of yourselves all as explorers who are all working on the same map, every step that every single person takes is us just outlining in more detail the terrain that people could encounter on this map. It's, it's true. It's getting finer and finer, the detailed understanding of what this journey looks like and all of the different routes that people could take we get a deeper understanding of what the cave looks like and how yeah. to lead people out of the cave. What to do at different roadblocks. We, we, this is an ever-expanding, ever-updating tool based on people's experience with it. And so we, we need people to go through that, experience it, give us feedback and allow us to update it so that we can just help as many people as possible because there are, there are so many people. Like if you're listening to this and you feel like, you know, your, your pain is unique. It is unique, but also there are so many people in very similar situations. You're definitely not alone. And there needs to be a change in, in the way these conditions and these problems are approached. And uh, we reckon this is that change. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't believe us, like we said, jump into the community. It's completely free. Um, yeah, we're, we're here to help you and when you're ready to, to make that commitment and take the real hero's journey and, and make the 42-day trek to base camp and truly, deeply explore your foot and movement health, then we're ready to support you on that journey too. And there's a community of people who are, who are waiting for you. Mm. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Restore to Explore podcast. To stay up to date with all things TFC, join our brand new free community. Inside, you'll find a growing library of education, training, and resources to help you resolve common conditions, restore natural function, and explore your body's potential with a community that's there to support you along the way. To join, just head to thefootcollective.com or you'll find the link in our show notes.